and welcome to the 372nd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that puts the cereal in your bowl each and every morning. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello everybody, as always, I'm looking forward to diving into the developments of the week, but before we do, I want to remind all our listeners that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on an amazing Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MDG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? We've got five awesome segments lined up for everybody. We're going to uh, lead off with the metagame in review. We've got the SCG Richmond to talk about and the Pioneer Challenge over the weekend. Segment two is our top paper movers. Segment three is our top online movers. In Splot four, we've got our cards to watch, your picks, my picks, and a Discord pick that's pretty awesome. And this week, our segment five, our topic of the week, is going to be the early results of the serialized cards, because we all love very collectible things. All right, kicking things off in segment one, our metagame week in review. There was another big paper tournament this weekend, I guess a medium-sized one, at SCG Con Richmond in uh, the eastern U.S. on April 15th with 262 players. Pretty straightforward top eight, kind of just a selection of all your usual suspects. Rakdos Scam in first, Hammer Time in second, Shardless Rhinos in third, Creativity Combo in fourth. Finishing up with four-color Omnath in fifth, Rakdos Scam again in sixth, and then seventh and eighth were both blue-red Murktide. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Nathan Stoyer representing the Bay continuously. Uh, knew him way back when, and he embarrassed me as a teenager at Magic, and now he just used me as his personal mop. All right, so over in the Pioneer Challenge uh, on April 15th, we had... Green-red mid-range in first, blue-white spirits in second, lotus field combo in third, black-red mid-range in fourth and eighth, and blue-white spirits in sixth. But the sexy was to be found here in fifth and seventh place, which uh, suggests that there is a brewing trend line. This is a blue, a creativity deck, but it's blue-red creativity. Four torrential gear hulk lead off this list. Four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, kind of impossible to play a red deck in Pioneer without it. Four Fiery Impulse, two Fire Prophecy, two Spike Field Hazard, four Divide by Zero, four Magma Opus, the draft champion mythic from Strixhaven, being uh, a sexy get with your Torrential Gear Hulk to cast for free. Uh, four Prismari Command and four Make Disappear, 24 lands and four Indomitable Creativity. So this creativity only has gear hulks to go get yes and it gets them on the back of sokanzen fable fable and but don't forget magma opus has the second ability where you discard the opus to make a treasure token right and then you go off with the creativity to turn after so that could be turn three creativity creativity for gear hulk 
Yeah, all you need is uh, three mana, well, four mana to cast your creativity, targeting your one treasure token. And you, you can't sack the token to do it, but uh, you need to get a random token somehow. Uh, also, Stern Lesson in here for uh, some of the lulls. That's one of the ways that you can get a token for creativity to target. Prismari Command makes treasure as well. There's a lot of also, cute token production in here. Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, the other deck that was doing much the same plan, that was running two Sublime Epiphany. Uh, I like the purity of this four uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. You've got your token creature, and it makes a token treasure for you. Fable is just such an amazingly powerful card. It's good in everything. Yeah, Fable, Fable's crazy. All right, so that was... Uh the best of the pioneer challenge on the 15th moving on over to top paper movers real quiet week overall and i think that is pretty normal for a release week with a bunch of you know very excited people running off to pre-releases and focusing on tracking down serialized cards from mom etc all the focus was kind of on the new stuff so there's lots of there was lots of movement on prices over the weekend uh for mom but most of it was downhill you know it's the pre-order pricing right. coming off coming off the artificial high and dropping as vendors undercut each other so uh, if we wanted to report about cards that went down this weekend uh, that would be easy with the entire set you know so when that'll be that way for a solid week or two as well uh so kicking things off with things that were on the move we have cavalier of dawn out of m20 going 10 to 13 30 percent gains as we head into the release of this knight's edh deck uh sadar jabari i believe and then we have uh, Karik, Son of Yogmoth, Phyrexian Secret Layer. Looks like it's been targeted. Uh, there's hardly any left in foil or non-foil on TCG Player. Non-foil is going seven to ten dollars, but could be uh, bound for movement higher up. I think this was one of the few cards that got double tapped in a Secret Layer in the same year because Post Malone got a version as well, right? Right. There was the the Post Malone version. And then the uh, Phyrexian one that were just right on top of each other. Yeah, and the Post Malones are going for about $20 as well. So this is just kind of, I think, people going, well, if we snap up the Phyrexians and there's no cheaper alternatives per se. Let me just see what the cheapest possible copy well, the, is. Of well, the cheapest uh, for foil or non-foil? For non-foil. For non-foil, you've got the list versions and the original C19 versions are down to the $5 range. There you go. So are people going to pay four times the price of a regular copy to get a Phyrexian copy with the same art? I, I guess we will see. There's also the Judge Foil hanging out in the background, which actually has the best art. I agree. I remember this Judge Foil being a lot more expensive. I might have to go upgrade my version in, uh, in IR to go get one of these. These have basically done nothing but go down. They started at about 140 in September of 2022, and they've just fallen... Yeah, they're 100 bucks in February. So, this is I I can't remember the last card I've seen last card I saw that dropped, you know, from $90 to 30 in the space of just a couple months. They must have sent out an enormous number of them. Well, no, it's no no no, that that's not the issue. The issue is that the Post Malone foils showed up right on the back of the other Phyrexian secret layer right. less than a year prior. We got in one year we got like the uh, judge promo for this we got uh post malone and we got the other one exactly so the triple tap over i think it was 18 months or something is is the culprit there blue elemental blast out of the j signature spellbook series foils 250 to 5 we had uh suggested th that the 
Beb and Reb might show up in Dominaria Remastered, but it didn't. And there's nothing other than Commander Masters this year where they are likely to appear. And so they've been making some moves. I wouldn't want to bet against them in Commander Masters because it's been a while since we saw them. And there's not all that many places that you can play those. I mean, I do occasionally see them in EDH, but as as good as they might be, uh, as one mana deal with something, a lot of people tend not to run them. Let me just see what the what EDH Rec has to say about it, though, because your local meta does not d- define the entire market. I mean, it, it's you're never going to be short a target for this card, so there there is that. Yeah, red elemental blast is in ninety two thousand decks, but blue is only in four. So if I was going to be looking at one or the other, it'd be red, I guess. Well, yeah, but uh, red blast gets. Uh, I think it gets more uh, C EDH love too. Sure. Uh, diminishing returns out of alliances, two fifty to five dollars. No idea what's going on there. Silver mirror foils at a Mirrodin, ten to thirty. That's on the back of Urtet, the uh, mirror commander. Reconnaissance mission surge foils at a forty k, going three dollars to ten dollars. Also, don't know what people think they're up to there. I mean, you can run that in ninja and flyers decks and stuff in EDH, but it's not uh, a huge card in the format i think you're generally looking at relatively modest stats no i'm wrong it's seventy thousand decks that run it so i'm just behind the times on on who's running the card well this is also the the only sweet version your your only other choice was the original because this one has cycling so it's an upgrade over coastal piracy and this so this was a ikoria card if i'm not mistaken i believe that is correct yes so you know it's a surge foil of the week uh, this is a popular commander card that didn't have all that many copies on TCG Player, and it didn't take many copies to make the price move. I mean, I've still got sealed sets of these Surge Foil decks, so by all means, keep pushing them up, folks. Uh, <laughs> dramatic Entrance out of Shadowmoor. This is the five mana sorcery, I believe, that allows you to put a green creature into play from your hand. It's and actually an sp- instant. Okay. Aspiring Spike started uh, using it to cast Atraxa Grand Unifier uh, in modern testing. And so this that's why we have this funky $2 to $15 price spike, which you absolutely sell into because 90% of the time what Spike is fooling around with does not make the meta. Also, uh, we're saying that a card like this is only expensive due to tiny, tiny supply. This was a rare in Shadowmoor, which, which was, is uh, yeah, real uh, low point. People- for people, yeah, for people that weren't around, that was a sales lull for the entire game that whole year. And it also happened to be the only year they put out, well, no, now they kind of do it on the regular. But at the time, they put out four standard sets plus a core set, I believe. And everyone was like aghast that they were adding a set as a test. Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but um, this was, did they do it that much faster or did they yeah they just crammed in an extra yeah. release or two a whole yeah. set they <clears> did lorwin uh eventide shadow more morning tide it, just... it seems it seems quaint now because i mean we're doing it does we're it doing really does seem quaint mom aftermath is being like revealed and then released all in a week <laughs> in between now and lord of the rings uh, i think and it's then, the first yeah. week, first week of may so we're getting I think we get previews in two weeks or something on that one, and we just got Mom. Like, Mom's yeah. official release date isn't even until this Friday, and then within 10 days of that, you're going to be on to Aftermath. Over on, over on Magic Online, 
Big Movers Lotus Field out of M20, 12.5 ticks to 22 ticks, 76% gains there for Lotus Field Pioneer decks. Ninja of the Deep Hours is mostly a popper card, as I understand it, and the Betrayers, uh, Betrayers of Kamigawa version went 2 ticks to 3.76, 85% gains. And then that blue-red creativity deck got Magma Opus moving online, 1.15 ticks to 2.65. If the deck gets popular, that's exactly the kind of mythic that could end up being 10 to 15 ticks. Yeah, it's a four of. It was a mythic. It is a really great feeling to cast this a turn or two, like uh, several turns early, because you're creativing it into play. And don't forget, after you cast Magma Opus, you also have stupid Torrential still in play too. So you end up with two four fours and the five six. That's hard to beat if you're not ready to wrath immediately. Yeah, I'm. Goat Bots already has it at two point three seven on a sell, one point eight nine on a buy. So it's it's definitely still in spike mode, but remains to see whether it will collapse or not. Already on to segment four, cards to watch. Looks like we're working on a quick one here. I'm going to go in on Timeless Lotus foils, 6 to 12 month horizon. They only gave us the one version of this card, which is odd, because if you look at the art card, it's real nice and would have been great as a extended art or borderless and certainly no one would turn down an alternate art lotus artwork of any kind so this is a dominary united mythic who has held which has held up well since its release it got down as low as 12 30 12 dollars and 25 cents or so back in earlier in march and now has risen up to about 16 part of that was aspiring spike fooling around with this in amulet titan variants um where he was i think first killing with door to nothingness we talked about on cast and then he moved on to some other some other kill conditions that weren't door it's a legendary so every time you cast it into joda you get to cascade and then it starts tapping to play all the stuff that you want to play or it can help you recast joda anything that untaps legends untaps this uh when you cast your urza's ruinous blast this stays on the battlefield and keep in mind that Joda is has been pretty continuously one of the more popular commanders. If we look at top commanders of the last month, Joda is number 12. So still doing pretty decently, uh, hanging in in the top 20. And I think is for a lot of people between him and, and uh, Morophon, the default five-color commander of choice. Uh, Joda is pretty neat, but Timeless Lotus is just... There's a lot of, like, Chromatic Ori is the uh, the the mana rock to end all mana rocks, but five mana for getting five mana back, that's traditionally really good to get as much mana out of the thing as you put into it. That's, um, you know, they never have given us a one mana rock that taps for one. Uh, they But can you imagine a, a two mana rock that taps for two? Thran Dynamo is widely regarded as a bit too good at, uh, no, it's four mana for three for Dynamo. So, like, getting as much as you paid is really good. And I'm honestly surprised that we haven't had a pick for this yet. My only concern is exactly what you said, that we haven't had a special version of it yet. So we're kind of, we're going to get a special version at some point. Yeah, it could be Secret Layer this year, it could be next year could be the year after. They could leave this alone for years. 
I remember how surprised I was this wasn't in the uh, the Brothers War special set. I thought everybody was like, oh, wh where's where's the Timeless Lotus? This is why we didn't get a special version, right? Right? No. <laughs> a reasonable thought, but didn't play out. Yeah. The, um, this does come into play tapped, so you don't get to right. use it right away. But it does a lot of work every turn after. And more to the point, this is good timing. Like, we're down to 31 listings. There's double handful of foils under $20. So for me to say that you're going to snag whatever copies you can find here in Europe and Japan for, say, 15 or 16, and then look to sell them around 30, I think you're probably going to get away with that just because people are done opening Dominaria United. Um, it probably dodges a reprint for as long as it's in standard. That seems pretty likely. That does uh, seem likely. So it's probably got at least a year to to rise up the curve, and all indications are that it's you know slowly, steadily moving in that direction. I agree with that. That's a that's a solid pick. Uh, my first pick this week is Ugin the Ineffable, the stained glass version that was found in Secret Layers. Uh, sometime in the next 6 to 12 months or so, I think it's going to nearly double up from $22 to $40, mainly because, number one, it's already in 50,000 EDH rec decks. There's a lot of decks that play a lot of colorless stuff, and being able to get not only the discount, but also the destroy target problem kind of card is always really good. We're also going to get the Eldrazi this summer, and you know this version of Ugin loves some good colorless spells. There is is the uh, Japanese alternate art, which uh, is just badass and is cool. But this one is right in that sweet space between uh, pack foil and the most chase version, and there's room for it to grow uh, keep in mind, there's also less than 50 vendors for this card on TCG Player, so I think it's primed and ready to go. There's also almost none of the Japanese alt art foils left on TCG right. Player. You have one vendor with a copy at 60, then Tales of Adventure, uh, our boy Michael, 10 copies at 60, and then the next one is 67, 80, 80, 80, 95, 150, 160. So. If people, if you're right, and this there's an uptick in the already steady demand on this card as people start building big Eldrazi decks and they're looking for ways to get uh, cost savings on their their colorless spells because this reduces all colorless spells by two, then you know it only takes five or ten people to snap off the Japanese copies to push those versions up to about a hundred. In which case, the secret layers that you've got listed here at you know early mid twenties seem to look much more attractive. Uh, this wasn't even remotely on my radar, but given that these are not being opened in any way anymore, and I think this particular version of Ugin is very unlikely to catch a reprint. If you look at the grand scheme of this era of uh, increased pace of reprints, you know what class of cards almost never catches them? Planeswalkers? Yeah. Hardly ever. They they are constantly giving us new versions of Planeswalkers, but if you look at reprint sets, you very rarely get get a get a planeswalker you know they've gone back to the well on things like jace the mind sculptor in various forms but the vast majority of planeswalkers have had very minimal reprints i would say i think the only reprint i can really think of is the three attempts at mythic edition we had and that's about it for like when they started trying to have this like real premium chase version of stuff and they just uh insert metaphor for messing up that you want to use when they tried it on ebay they tried uh having it on their website and just nothing worked right until they got on the secret layer model they arrived at now i i think that that's the only time they really like went after planeswalker reprints you're right well they don't really do they haven't been doing core sets in the summer for a while 
and that was one of the places where that's where we got Ugin the spirit dragon last, which is has kept it pretty low for a while. Um, and Ugin caught a secret layer showdown version. So I mean, it's possible. It's just out of everything, it's the least likely. So the I mean, maybe battles is even worse now. I don't know. The <laughs> So I like I, I like this Ugin pick. I think it is conditional on how excited people get about this Eldrazi deck, but it's already got fifty thousand EDH rec decks. I Eldrazi is just going to be icing on the cake. It's hard, it's got the demand. It sells a a good velocity. I would not. I would probably like this pick even if Eldrazi wasn't on the menu this summer. I think it also helps it if it doesn't make the deck. If the non foil version doesn't sure. show up in the deck and more people are looking at the looking for the card to, as an upgrade, then it helps. Uh, my second selection of the week is the Intruder Alarm Foil Borderless that was a secret layer in the last year. Uh, we're d- down to a reasonably shallow inventory and a steep ramp. You can get these at about 20 bucks, and I think to go 20 to 35 the next 12 months or so is not unlikely, given that it's in 20,000 decks on EDH Rack. It begets new combos pretty much every time a set comes out there's something that works with intruder alarm there's a bunch of new cards in the last two standard sets that that do work with it and there's a whole bunch of different commanders that can make use of the card this is a really cool version of the card with very unique art one of the other things that they don't tend to go back on the well back to the well on is that unique secret layer art you know i'm still suspicious that they will one day give us a secret layer masters that will be very popular (laughs) Sure. That's kind of like I think that's like that's a slam dunk for them, and they will probably do it, and it could come as early as 2024. I can see that being like holiday season 2024, and being very popular because mm-hmm. by that point they just have so many options. But so far they they haven't. So uh, a lot of this stuff has had room to breathe. Uh, I wouldn't want to be the, the the guy with the warehouse full of sealed secret layers the day they announced that product seriously so so turn and burn folks turn and burn my only concern with this pick is that there are other versions of intruder alarm out there i'm not disagreeing with you about this being the best art and in fact um like i'm fond of the original stronghold version but uh the thing is is that you've got mystery booster retail foils for around 11 You've got 8th edition foils and stronghold, well, 8th edition and stronghold uh, non-foils available around that price, too. So I just think it could take a while to get there, given the other options somebody has. Like, if you have to have a shiny version, you can get the mystery booster version if you, you know, don't want to go in for that much more. My concern is that you'd have to wait for all the other versions to get hollowed out before this gets there. I agree that it's a super unfair commander card, and I think every time I've ever seen it played, somebody wins that turn, or they start demonstrating a loop, and everybody's like, all right, fine, fine, you win, you win. We don't want to watch you just play with yourself at the table for 10 minutes while you win. So it's a good card, and this is... uh, I love a Where's Waldo look in the art that it has, but with this many other versions, I I think it'll take longer than you have it listed. Well, we're just take worth taking a look at sales data because if we filter sales on this uh, near mint foil, uh, it's doing about 
one to two copies a day and then every once in a while it, it skips a day and that's pretty similar to how quickly the mystery booster uh, versions move as well in foil but this is down to just 17 listings with no major walls uh, I, 17 listings has my attention i had not looked at that particular part you're right the only the only wall is 16 copies at 30 dollars, but that's up basically close to my sell my sell call price so these and I, you know, I recognize a bunch of the people that are holding copies <laughs> that bought them <laughs> that, that bought them cheaper. So when those are the folks that are left on the curve, it usually means that the time is nigh to get it, get get in or say your piece with the card being more expensive. All right, uh, I'm with you on that part. I agree. Your next selection. My other pick this week, uh, I am ready to move in on at least one Dominaria remastered card. It's been three months, and my policy has generally been to wait more like five or six to go in on a card. But uh, I can't argue with what it is and what it does. Uh, Urza's Incubator is available in non-foil retro frame for $16 as a mythic out of Dominaria. Re- re- uh-huh. I keep wanting to say Reunited because it was Dominaria United. But Dominaria Remastered retro versions are available for 16, and I think 30 is a conservative idea for where they'll go, considering how expensive the original was, and how this card is already in 52,000 Commander decks online. It is the place you want to start when you're building a tribal deck, because it gives you so much mana for so cheap. Uh, It sells a good number of copies, I'm looking to get in on the cheapest versions and crank it up from there. Now, this was in, I think, the first foil set ever. Des- Urza's Destiny, That's right? cor- That's correct. Uh, the, the foils for that are Redonk. Yeah. They're, consequently, those foils are in the $200 plus range. And there is a retro foil. Right. Uh, available in Dominaria Remastered, but it looks like the sales velocity on the borderless is a little better. I'm just double checking. Sure, there's there is a a regular frame, a borderless frame, and a retro frame. That's a uh, a lot of copies out there, but given that this is a mythic, I just went with the cheapest one for good growth. I think any of them are defensible. I think we're ready for these to start getting expensive but i have a soft spot for retro cards so i went with the retro non-foil and again you're thinking this is going to be eldrazi driven this summer eldrazi dragons any any tribal thing man like that is well there a... tribal things that want to cast things for a lot of mana. i think it's good even like tribal slivers would would love to play an incubator tribal zombies loves an, in, an incubator like i've got incubator in all of my tribal decks i've got three I think it's pretty similar to the Intruder Alarm pick in terms of overall... Uh, the difference in the Intruder Alarm is that there's less inventory already, so I think it's closer sure. to being a, closer to being a win. But in terms of you know where this is going to look mid-late summer, they they may end up looking pretty similar. Uh, I did two, pick this the, on a, a longer timeline because I don't think we're going to get any more of this anytime soon. And if they, if they double-tap uh, Urza's Incubator, then it's never going to get expensive again. Let's be clear on that. But if they let this sit, I think it's going to do very well. It's a, it's a shame I don't love this new borderless art. They <laughs> making it making it like centered on a fairly 
low quality image of Urza instead sure. of turning the perspective so that it, you saw the disgusting thing in the incubation chamber with like Urza's hand on it or something is uh, is suboptimal. And you're not even talking about the foils here. You're talking about the non the non foil retro. Non foil retro, yes. I just I I recognize that you have competing versions to in foils and. I don't know which one of those would grow the quickest given their respective inventories, but I know that uh, for a card that has been as expensive as Incubator has been, getting in as cheap as I can on the non-foils seemed like a better, uh, safer, more realistic play. Fair enough. We can move on over to the card, uh, the Pro Trader card to watch. We've got Grand Slam Breaks submitting Battle Angels of Tier Borderless Non-Foil. I think it's supposed to be Non-Foil. Um, from Commander Legends. That was November of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So it'll be three years this November. These are currently available around $13 or so. And it wasn't on my radar outside of the foil version pick I think I made quite some time ago. The That hasn't really ever gotten anywhere. Like in the last year, these bottomed out near both versions of around 10. And in the last few months, they've risen 2 to $4, depending on where you're looking. Now we're at a position where these are down to 81 listings, which is not super impressive for being three years out. But they are in 22,000 decks on EDH Rex since their release, which is pretty solid. You know, mid-tier staple. I have seen this in play multiple times. It tends to do a lot of work. I run a copy in Ginny Fay, and there's a bunch of decks that can find reasons to make use of it. But the part that Grand Slam keyed in on is that it's both an angel and a knight. So it's relevant in decks like Giada or... Um, other angel focus decks but it's also relevant in this new knight edh deck where it did not catch a reprint in borderless so the 40 listings for borderless non-foil near mint is not super deep and i could see people wanting to add this to their knights deck He's calling 13 to 25 the next 12 months. That seems reasonable. The only risk here is that they they go ahead and make this one of the cards that they reprint in Commander Masters this summer. We know that they're reprinting Jeweled Lotus. That opens the door for a bunch of other Commander Legends cards if they think the time is is uh, ne- the timing is right for that, and this could very easily be one of them. Are you sure that he meant the non-foils? Because the foils can be had... Um, the cheapest foils are... No, you're right. Uh, the cheapest foils are around 15. Yeah. I th- I think I would be going for the foils because there's only 27 vendors with those. And if you like this uh, in non-foil at 13, then you'll love it in foil at 15. Yeah, I'd, I'd argue, I'd argue you, can, you can go either way, but you're right. The If I look at near mint foil inventory, it's even lower. And and that's the that's one of my picks from I don't know eighteen months ago or something that right. may have a shot at paying off here depending on how the the how many knights players actually exist because I'm not convinced that's going to be an uber popular commander I think Sadar Jabari is number six this week or something I had forgotten about all the extra text on Battle Angels I'm not going to lie I just thought it was four four flying myriad for four mana. But I forgot about all this extra stuff it does it's yeah it's stupid when it deals when. Myriad means that when it attacks, a copy of it attacks all the other players. Right. Everybody then, gets domed for four. And then if it attacks a player... If it deals damage. Deals combat yes. damage to a player, 
Uh, you draw a card if that player had more cards in hand than each other player. Then you create a treasure token if that player controls more lands than each other player. Then you gain three life if that player has more life than each other player. So as long as none of those things are you, you get all the benefits. It's ridiculous. Pretty good for four. I mean, if you take this back to like uh, revised era. Oh my God. <laughs> it'd be the most busted card in magic by a long mile and would have been banned for this- sure. This is power creep, man. This is legacy legal too, right? Well, I, I guess not though, because they didn't have commanders, so they wouldn't have seen the the potential necessarily. Because eh, myriad, myriad, myriad would have meant nothing. But even still, just that text on a four four flyer would have been a big deal back then. Just a four four flyer for four would have had people just drooling. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, we can move on to our weekly topic, uh, which is going to be the early results on pricing and market trends around the mom serialized cards because these cards are not easily tracked on the pricing sites whether it's us or any any other pricing site we don't even have a listing for them at present because gathering data on them is so sketchy it's kind of like if you try to track the price of a black lotus via a pricing site you're going to get misinformation all the time because a lot of, if you're looking at say just TCG player as your your benchmark then you're subject to the whims of whatever ridiculous pricing is posted. And you don't necessarily have visible visibility on sold pricing, depending on where you're pulling your data from. So a lot of the times you got to pull this data manually um, or have uh, a, a smart bot set up that can gather some of it for you. I spent a lot of time on the manual side of things, uh, tracking the serialized cards over the weekend because there was a bunch of stuff I wanted to pick up both personally for decks after deciding at the end of last week that I should be chasing 007 cards because Bond, James Bond, Lucky 7, all of that seems like a reasonable place to stake my flag on Serialized. I thought you were going to go real hard after that number one Atraxa. I, I would love to get number one Atraxa, but there's, I first of all, I have not spotted the auction for it. And I also suspect that's going to be 5,000, 10,000. Hmm. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot. And... I could spend that money, but it wouldn't bring me that much enjoyment to have number one Atraxa. Okay, uh, but you're happy with 007 Atraxa? I can see that. I can see that. Well, if I could get 007 Atraxa, but that's not what I bought. I bought 007 Shieldred for 800 uh, because I saw copies of random numbers going for anywhere from 900 to 1200 on that. And picked up a serialized Ragavan for 1000 which I think is a bit of a dice roll. Ragavan has play all the way back to Vintage. It's a four of. It's a commander. It's a 99 card. It seems very unlikely to be banned in Modern anytime soon. So those are all major, major positives in its favor. That said, it's tough for... It's tough to claim that the frothy prices of opening weekend when the collectors that will pay any price to get the thing they're after are in the hunt are going to define the price down the road. So I didn't really look at the Ragavan as an automatic win. Keep in mind that the most expensive serialized card from Brothers War six months later, I think is Mox Amber at about 1500, pretty solid. Right. If I can get a Ragavan for a thousand was my reasoning. Ragavan has a much higher overall demand profile and iconic status than Mox Amber does. So I reasoned that it deserves to be worth more than Mox Amber. Now, whether I'm right about that or not, time will tell. I could have snapped off as many as eight copies in between 1,000 and 1,300, 
but I didn't go super deep because this is still emerging market dynamics. You know, serialized hasn't been around that long. We don't, and last time it was all artifacts. This time it includes a bunch of commanders and more commander relevant cards. Um, so I want to see what happens. And then if they keep putting out serialized every six months or so, then, you know, we'll, we'll start to get a better and better idea of how hard we go in early. My thinking is that a lot of this stuff has been opened this week. That's normal, right? This right. I've said forever that the majority of a set gets opened in the first month. And really, it's actually in the first 10 days or so as, as vendors are prepping inventory for the sales, pre-order sales, and then sales at pre-release weekend and the subsequent couple of weeks. So it feels like we saw a lot of like the number ones cracked. Like, like Star City Games pulled Ragavan number one, and everybody was clucking their tongues like, "Oh, that was planted by wizards," and like, "There's not going to be any number ones left for me." And a whole bunch of other number ones have been found. I think number one Kenrith was found in Japan yesterday, and we saw a bunch of others. Uh, and I think the Ragavan sold for ten grand. Holy wow! Like I, I tabled an offer of about, I think it was just over 5,000 to Ben. And he's like, I've got like seven offers above that already. So I think the word you used of frothy uh, in, in indicating like a rabid demand is probably the right word, given that like Ragavan is, uh, what's his number on EDH rec as a commander? Not super high. All right, so let's see, twenty one hundred decks, but I see, I get you about like people are gonna need four of, and I love the idea that there's folks out there that are going to have four serialized Ragavan in their legacy or vintage deck. Godspeed, people, keep on fighting the good fight. Well, and Ragavan's in six sixty seven thousand decks in the ninety nine. Hmm. It's a it's a serious staple. And people say, right. oh, but yeah, you're not going to put your serialized in, you know, table a $3,000 card. What, well, I mean, you may or you may not. I've certainly seen libraries played against me. I've seen, um, you know, unlimited duels played. But my plan for something like a Ragavan is you just, you proxy it with like the art card from MH2 in the deck. And then you just have it on the side and you put it on, you just swap them out. No big deal. Yeah, um, you seems... know, if you want to show off your serialized, go ahead. And and if the card in question is your commander, like an Atraxa or an Elishnorn or whatever, then yeah, you can get that graded, and then pull it out of the command zone in 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 its graded container. So if we're looking at the top premium card from the set, however, it is not Ragavan. the The card that's doing the best is Elishnorn, the most expensive. Of any of the premium mom cards that sold on eBay this weekend at auction was March of the Machines, Elish Norn, Serialized 392, wasn't even a special number, 21 bids, and it settled at 2750 US. That's pretty wild, man. There was another one, number 245, that, that was best offer accepted somewhere in the low 2000s. Urabrask, there were... There was an Atraxa auction for number 301 that had 25 bids on it and went for 1625. I was very surprised to see that both the Gingitaxius and Urabrask, the new ones, uh, also did pretty well. There was a Gingitaxius auction on April 14th, 44 bids, $1,500. That's for the Saga version, right? Yes, the new one. Okay. The new Urabrask, one. which I thought was going to be maligned, like I, if you had asked me, I would have guessed... 
500 to 700. Uh, 33 bids went for 1187.31. So I think the key here that I hope Wizards key, keys in on is unique art on the serials. Hmm. And, yes. and, and especially that, you know, they used that kind of ink blot treatment on the original Praetors that you can also right. get here. Um, I snapped off an Elish Norn, I think, for 450 or something. I've seen copies floating around anywhere from 350 to 800, like that, still finding its settlement point. Uh, but I think if the art was as good on those as it is on the new Praetors, they would be doing even better. The Shieldred I bought, the 007, the number 245 went for 1,000. So picking up 007 at 800 just felt like a no-brainer to me. And all of these cards are super playable. Like Vorinclex, uh Grand Evolution was settling in the eight, 700 to 1,000 range between Facebook and eBay and other places. And that's tearing things up in standard. The mono green decks for standard are looking real silly. They're real silly, yeah. Real silly. Because it's just a bunch of cards that are pushed way over the power curve. Like I just I just watched a video where somebody you know played Pelucanos on three, and then two turns later they flipped it, and they got a three three reach and a three three life link, and then the other player had to deal with those, and then they played another Pelucanos and did the same thing uh-huh. all over again, and then they played a Vorinclex and went and got two two forests and put them into play, and then they played like a Nissa uh, Ascended Animist, and yeah I mean it's. There's a lot of crazy cards in, in, in my mono green. Shieldred, Urbrask, Elishnorn, like all five of them have a solid future in in EDH where they I think all of them will be 10,000 plus reported decks on EDH rec. And I think there's a solid chance that if people figure out that Norn is way better than she is, that she first reads, that you'll see two or three of them, including Norn, up near 20,000 or 20,000 plus within 18 months of release. That sounds about right. I especially like how the most of the Saga versions, the, the newest ones, the, uh, the uh, I saw somebody on Twitter refer to them as the single name, the Beyonce, the Madonna versions. Um, they are really, uh, they have a, a real knack for helping it just keep itself going. Because, especially the Ourobrask one, where once you've cast three spells in a turn, you can re-flip him left, uh, over and over again, so you're just chaining like mad. You also have uh, all the other abilities, which just encourage each other to keep going. Uh, Elish Norn allows you to sacrifice more of the things that it makes, and you can just keep it going if you've got some way to sacrifice the creatures for mana. So it, it is all amazing, and it all contributes really well. Uh, my question to you is, if we're past the first weekend of frothy goodness, where we're only dealing with pre-sales and things that people opened in their pre-releases, this coming weekend, where the set is officially eligible to be sold, and the the serious cracking has begun and things have started to get listed, uh, how much lower do you think serialized cards can go? A, a, a ways, a long ways. If you look at the, you know, the early prices on the Brothers War serialized cards, a lot of the medium to low demand cards fell and fell and fell right. um, off their, their weekend, you know, the frothy highs. But there's still like a lot of value in, in that set. Like I was I was pricing a bunch of the 
Brothers War stuff, and even a bunch of the low to mid range stuff that's going to end up in our our group buy this week, is still at like relatively elevated values. Like even things like Sigil of Valor, Lodestone Golem, Rune Chanter's Pike, Self Assembler, and Keening Stone are all between one hundred and two hundred dollars. And then from like two hundred to five hundred, you have Astral Cornucopia, Well of Lost Dreams, Jalem Tome. Like nobody's tabling a Jalem Tome anywhere, but they're also not discounting right. the serialized to fifty bucks. That that's what I'm saying is that like, just the collectors putting together sets yes. seems to be enough to buoy prices to even on bad cards to some reasonable elevated level. And then you've I was got things say like. That- collecting the set it, it doesn't given that there's only 500 of any given card it doesn't take very many of those who have the desire and the disposable income to make sets of this and be like look at this amazing thing that i have and you're not going to stop at one if you've got a set of the brothers war artifacts you're definitely going to go for a set of the multiverse legends you may you may or may not the I mean, the dy- the market dynamic, in answer to your earlier question, does shift. Because, for instance, I spent the weekend with the pages open the whole time, shopping around, doing deals, talking to people, whatever. But once I had spent three or $4,000 and we got back to the Monday morning and I had work to do, I was out of the game. So right. like, think, think about how many people spent a bunch of money this weekend and then either found what they're looking for and they're satisfied or they exceeded their budget and they're done for a while or they got busy with work again. And and that's how the market shifts. What happens then in subsequent weeks as the, you know, the hype cycle moves on, we get to Aftermath, then Lord of the Rings, then Commander Masters, is that fewer and fewer people are on the hunt for these things. And then when they get cracked in the trailing edge of cracking, then the people that you know, pull a thousand dollar rag of in and are excited to get the money out of it because they need the money more than they need the, they need the rag of in. Right. Those people are going to find less buyers. And so rag of in is probably still relatively easy to sell in August, but you might have a lot more trouble selling in a Yara. Um and and may need to di- and may need to discount by twenty or thirty percent off of TCG to to get it done. Whereas this weekend if you went 25 or 50 bucks below TCG, you're probably doing all right. First of all, how dare you on... I told you that I, I, a pro trader is going to trade me a copy of Iara serialized, and you just had to slide that in there. I like that. I like that. No subtlety in your shade game. But yes, I agree with you that uh, the aggressive way that we price cards is uh, is going to help. I was looking at some of the less in-demand ones. Uh, Jury was the one that really caught my eye. On 411, somebody bought a copy for $550, and then 415, somebody else bought a copy for 129 for serialized jury master of the review. So trying to get away from that early frothy price seems like the play if you want, depending on the EDH demand, because so many of these being commanders, like you said, you can keep it separate, you can keep it slabbed, you can get it graded. I'm giving that due consideration. And so being able to do that and have it be separate and protected and beautiful is definitely on the agenda for, I imagine, a lot of Commander players. Like, you want the version of this. You know, if they come out with a a serialized Ur-Dragon, I will offer you a very reasonable price on my oldest daughter in order for me to acquire one of the serialized Ur-Dragons. I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these 
cards from the, the multiverse legends that whose serialized have been going 500 to a thousand to squeeze down closer to five and the ones that are like five to 700 squeezing down to 350 to five and Elish Norn price on non-special numbers to collapse from 2500 plus to 1500 something like that right that all seems very plausible the it's interesting though because though there was more of the especially the new praetors uh selling for close to a thousand or above it than i thought was going to happen on opening weekend there was also a lower floor so because this the multiverse legends includes a bunch of previously uncommon creatures that aren't heavily played you've got things like quende pride ephemera for vadok keeper of the flame raf weatherlight stalwart and zada hedron grinder those are available in the 50 to 100 dollar range so well below the the bro serial even the worst of the bro serialized you know i suspect that maybe 50 is the floor on those and they will slowly drain out of the marketplace as collectors pick them off i suppose the i, I did pick up a gigantha 225 us which, which seem I think that any of the companions that still actually see play, um, especially if they can see play in Commander, you know, like you can you can build Jota with a Gigantha and get away with it by just yeah. cutting out cutting out some stuff like Essica, um, so that you don't have you know the the two of one pip that that precludes it, and then you know that becomes a second timeless Lotus in your deck. I did have at one point my Ur-Dragon deck had Karuga as the commander, or excuse me, as the companion, just because all you got to do is skip a one and two drops, and, you know, then you've always got some way to draw a couple extra cards. Always handy. The the argument I see on social media all the time uh, about serialized is now that they do this all the time, they're all so much less special and nobody's going to want them. That one what? is, <laughs> that one just straight up mystifies me. If, let's say that they did a thousand of them at a time all got 500 now you have an argument because you're flooding the market with supposedly expensive cards that may exist in a quantity some total that exceeds uh the total number of collectors with money ready to spend Mm -hmm. but so long as they do this every once in a while like every six months has been the pace so far they are doing lord of rings just a couple months after this so if they start doing it every set it it certainly makes the ex- the hype level on it existing or being unique as a gimmick less. Like no one's gonna go, oh wow, if they make serialized an everyday thing. But that doesn't mean people are gonna stop buying them. <laughs> if the seri- right. if they if they follow the same pattern where they give you some old cards and they give you some new cards and the serialized versions always have their own art or a lot or or something that is similarly enticing then unless they keep unless they start duplicating the same cards serialized i don't think it really creates much drag like bro was a bunch of artifacts this is a bunch of multicolored legends those things don't overlap and the fact that bro exists doesn't make me want the elish norn less why would it? They're they're not even connect, they're not connected things. It's not like uh, you live in a world. You have all the money in the world. You can you can buy any sports car you want, and the only sports car that exists is Ferrari. And then suddenly there's Lamborghini. So now fifty percent of sales go to Lamborghini. That's not what we're talking about here. These things are all complementary. 
once you, once you have one serialized card in your deck, you may just decide you want to go whole hog and slowly over time build out a whole serialized deck. Like I started building an art card deck last week. Magic players do weird things. We really do. And so I don't think, I, again, I, I don't think it matters that they keep doing serialized. I do think it would matter if they gave us Ragavan again in August. Yes, uh, I think that it'll just, take just, them a while to get around to doing a second round of serialized uh, for you know something they've already done. That'll probably take them a couple years, but what would you say the chance is of it happening? Is it 0%? Yeah, I think it's probably very low on Ragavan being in Commander Masters. No, no, no. The, I don't. Uh, I don't mean Ragavan Commander Masters. I mean that. Um, I was referring to what are the chances that they do another set of serialized Ragavans? Oh, high, far enough down the road. Okay. Like I'll I'm not even that. worried if they do it five years apart. Any more worried than I was with all the different variants of Mana Crypt board, Mana Crypt fancies that we got over the course of about a two-year period a few years back or and like look at how many different fancy soul rings we've got since masterpiece soul ring came out or peaked at a thousand or whatever it's still in the 800 or a thousand range like the the fanciest most well-regarded versions of something as long as they print like sub twenty thousand copies of them have a tendency if they're popular enough cards to survive multiple fancy printings what happens with a Traxa here and regular Ragavans is going to be a very interesting case study. Because where these, you know, these premium includes and standard sets apply pressure is on the expected value of the regular versions of the cards. Sure. Because these things, you know, if if a serialized adds a handful of dollars to the value of a box on average, based on the number of packs you need to crack to, to find one and the average value of one of the serialized, then that exerts that much downward pressure on the basic versions of things that you're pulling out of boxes. And you and I did a bunch of math on this over the weekend as we were kind of trying to suss out some of the dynamics here. And we managed to establish with reasonable accuracy that if you're talking about, you know, how many of the various versions of Ragavan exist there would be something like 55,000 regular foil Ragavans added to the mix here. That's a lot. But only 10,000 foil etched Ragavans, sub 7,000 halo foil Ragavans, and then the 500 cereal. So do the regular foil rags put any pressure on the cereal? No. Do the foil etched and the halo foil? No. They're just completely different classes of asset. Like, like one is a candy bar and the other one's caviar. <laughs> I like that. But do these regular Ragavans put pressure on regular borderless and original MH2 copies, given that they use the same art again? Yeah, totally. Because now you have two or three times as many versions of Ragavan to choose from. And if there's 55,000 regular foil rags, there's got to be hundreds a couple hundred thousand of the regular rags in the masterpiece kaladesh frame so you have added a lot of ragavan inventory to the marketplace and as a result ragavan is now at coming out of pre-release weekend nimble pilferer in that frame is sitting at 56 dollars and the modern horizons 2 copies had peaked at 
mm, I think it was mid seventies or something. Right. Maybe maybe, that maybe sounds... low eighties at peak. Yeah, that sounds about right. So we're already down, you know, a solid thirty or forty percent off market highs on Ragavan. But then again, you also have the the fancy version that was available at the big events that are currently going for four or five thousand dollars. That's a separate market entirely. Well, it's not that separate from serialized because uh, you know that we know that a serialized went for ten grand. Yeah. So you can make the <laughs> argument they you know this is the second Ragavan reprint this year, just you know in in much greater quantity, and. They've given us a bunch of different Atraxas in the last three years. We got it in Double Masters with a borderless version, which is the art I actually prefer. There's the Secret Layer version in the uh, in the New Capenna uh, style, uh, gilded foil, and now there's this new gilded foil take in the Multiverse Legends. So, how low are those going to get? We'll find out. We do need to keep in mind what happened with Fetchlands in Modern Horizons 2, where everybody just kind of assumed that 6 to 12 months later they would rebound hard, and instead they've just sat. In part because they printed a ton of that set, in part because I think a lot of people already have those cards for their decks, in part because Wizards has printed a whole bunch of new land cycles that make those cards not absolutely necessary, at least in Commander. I think what we haven't seen, uh, I think the combination of a lot of Modern Horizons 2 being printed and Modern hasn't taken back off yet. Um, once Modern is growing again, I think there's room for those lands to grow. They're, the the fetches are pretty cheap right now. And once we see, uh, you know, we saw SEG Con having a 200 some odd player tournament. They used to do that every weekend. So there was a much different demand profile for Modern, and people getting into Modern is really what they need. So we'll see if they're able to regrow Modern as a format post-pandemic. I'll tell you, part of this EV crush and mom, though, got to look at the low end of the market, too, for some good deals. If you're working on the cheap and just want to add something awesome to your, your deck, Luris of the Dream Den may be banned in Pioneer and Modern, but he's still legal in EDH. You can get a Halo foil Luris as of this evening for $17 on TCG Oh my player. god. That's a rare if, pull. If, if that had, I mean, it's a rare, not a mythic Halo. So it's not as rare, but still rare. And if that had happened before it got caught the bands, that would have been a $300, $400 card. Yes, that is absolutely true. And this is a good-looking card. I pulled the not the Halo foil, but it, just a couple packs I picked up at Harry Tarantula on the way back from the airport the other day. I uh, pulled the borderless uh, regular foil, and those are going for seventy-five cents. <laughs> like just to give you uh, perspective, though, in my um, spreadsheet of relative rarities, uh, Halo foil rares from the Multiverse Legend sheet. One in 375 collector boosters. Yeah. So, I mean, if if you want one, you know, these could get lower. They, these could they, be They're going to get lower. Yeah. They could, they could get down towards 10 bucks. It, a $10 for a Luris Halo foil is like total no-brainer no, no for me. I'm looking forward to seeing where these prices end up after uh, the, the big cracks this weekend and next. Yeah. 
Big, biggest sellers, just regular versions coming out of this weekend on Mom. Ragavan in the Kaladesh frame at 56, like we said. Atraxa is at 25. Elishnor and Grand Cenobites at 16. Scytherix at 15. Uh, Croxa, Death's Hunger in the Celestial? No, that's not the right word. Whatever the Theros frame is, is at 6 bucks. Shouldered Whispering 1 at 6 bucks. Those That's the stuff that's selling the best. Atraxa Halo Foils are currently sitting at about 100 bucks. Certainly worth keeping your eye on that. On the Halo Ragavans, which were sitting at about 275 or so last I looked. And the Foil Etched Ragavan I was talking to you about this weekend definitely has my attention because... Aside from the fact that TCG player buries foil etched by not having it come up in normal search results. They're so bad at that. When we last talked, these were at 90, then 85, then 80, and now there are copies under 70. Foil etched Ragavan could easily follow a similar path to Dockside Extortionist foil etched, which got pretty low, got targeted after the release of Double Masters 2022, spiked really hard, and then fell off ever since, as the you know the speculators turned their attention elsewhere. So I don't think you need to rush out on any of this, but keep in mind the foil etch stuff doesn't uh, curl like other foils do, like borderless foils, extended art foils, regular foils. Uh, They're much more resistant to that. So if you want a playset of Ragavans for you know your modern deck or whatever. And these foil etch get down to 50 bucks. If you can snap snap off the four of them for 200, that seems very solid. It does. Uh, like I said, I think a lot of these have room to fall. We're opening an enormous amount of product as we chase the serialized. But there's there's going to be some really good deals to be had as uh, as we get through all of this. And, I mean, the, the numbers are there for these to be very, very... Uh, profitable. We're already seeing, you know, some of the the, the bigger ones like Ragavan drop, and I I can't wait to see just how low all these go. I've I've got money burning a hole in my pocket. It's almost unprecedented to have a card at the power level of a Ragavan available in a standard set like this, right? Like this is like Liliana of the yeah, because it's only been in the uh, the Modern Horizons ones, which were a higher price. I would argue the closest thing I can recall is. Snapcaster Mage in the Innistrad era. That was wild, yo. When it, when it, was, when it was a single printing rare. Right. Or like That's right, Lilia. it was just a regular rare in Innistrad. Oh, yeah. my lord. Or like, given that Ragavan's a mythic, maybe better to compare it to Liliana of the Veil the first time around. When she was like a $50 to $100 card. Uh, anyway, it is worth flagging as you kind of inferred or uh, in, insinuated that this set is actually selling very, very well. Like rewind three, six, nine, twelve, or whatever amount of months you want to whatever fools were saying on social media that magic was dying. <laughs> There's always those folks. Every vendor I've talked to says they're selling this set like gangbusters. Like this this formula works. People like the serialized, they like all the alt arts, they like the the nature of this set in general being strongly EDH focused. There's a ton of EDH cards in the set. Um, I don't think the set strongly contributes to modern, but it does significantly contribute to standard and pioneer. Um, so, and, and the draft format is really swingy. So I don't think it's going to be a favorite down the road of draft purists, 
but it will be absolutely be a Friday night beers and draft favorite amongst people that just want to have fun. Cause all the, I, I have yet to watch a draft of this format that was boring. I haven't seen a draft yet that was fair, but it huh. definitely isn't boring. Yeah. No, the, the, the best comparison I've seen is to um, some kind of cube draft format, but with these multiverse legends and some of the busted rares in this set, just being like, holy biscuits, this is all about like what kind of stuff you get. And the some of the unexpected synergies in the, in the format are really powerful too. So I'm looking forward to getting on Arena tomorrow and doing a ton of drafts. I was watching a Newmont draft or a sealed pool this evening where he had a tally and he was all excited to like rev up and drop it. He got to six lands, had the Italian hand, two creatures on the battlefield. Opponent had two. They were kind of at a standstill and he just assumed he was going to win the game. Next turn, the opponent slams uh, old Shieldred. Oof. And two turns later, all his creatures are gone and they're back on, on the opponent's side of the table. <laughs> the Italian didn't harsh, matter. Man. It's the harsh. didn't matter at all. Oh, it was so funny. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a wild format, and but also these like these might be some of the more valuable CBs on the go forward because of what you can pull out of them. Right. Like this, the... this might be one of the top five CBs ever so far. Right. Like I would probably put things like if if nothing had been banned out of Eldraine, Eldraine would be on that list. But since yes. half the set got banned, it, it's a little different. <laughs> but st- like Modern Horizons 2, um, original Commander Legends, I would imagine Commander Masters will probably join that group. These and maybe Brothers War uh, could be the best of the best in the CB world so far. Now, what what are they going to do down the road? What I would prefer they do is if they do smaller groups of serials. Like, you know, the one ring is a one of one, but they haven't tried to do one of one, one of 50, one of 25, all with the same art kind of thing. In the sports card world, they do all this stuff where it's like minor, minor variations, and they try to broaden the pool of available uh, picks, and then they just completely flood their market. Right. They've got 53 different one of ones. Yeah. So as long as Wizards dodges that particular bullet and keeps it relatively modest then I think they'll do just fine within this model. They're increasing their revenues. They're increasing their revenue per user. Um, you know, they're keeping the hype cycle moving right along. The next big question is, you know, is a- how much of a cash grab is Aftermath? Because the early previews they gave of that not so long ago looked like you're going to have like five variants of the same card. We can, we'll find out in a week and a half. And, and that's fine, but the set is small. And it's not draftable, so there's no draft, you know, demand potential for that sealed product down the road. And it then becomes a question of how good are the cards in question. Now, it's the first time they've done this kind of product, and Wizards does have a tendency in such situations to juice the shit out out of the product in question. The first times are pretty powerful, yes. But we'll see. That You know, May 5th or something, I think, is the reveal day. So we'll be dealing with that shortly. In the meantime, where can folks find you online, Cliff? Uh, you can find me online at Word of Commander, as well as my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. 
You guys can find me on Twitter at MTGCritic, as well as via my occasional articles on MTGPrice.com, my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I would also like to remind our listeners to check out the MTGPrice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at Cool Stuff, Inc. to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Oh my gosh, that's a lot, James, and more is coming. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, everybody. We will see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.